I have my glasses on. Amen. Let somebody shout a big hallelujah. Actually said a big hallelujah. Now let somebody shout a really loud hallelujah. Okay, so praise God. God is good. That was awesome worship this evening. It's always a pleasure to be in the house of the Lord. It's always a pleasure to be where the saints are. Amen. And I'm so excited to speak to you all this evening. Um, Papa and Mama, thank you so much for the opportunity to stand here and talk to everyone this evening. And I'm happy to see you all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because the entrance of your word brings light. And we ask that this evening you speak through me. And I ask that, Lord, you just do what only you can do. And let there be miracles. Let people receive what it is they want to receive. Let people receive what they need for the next season. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Awesome. We are believers. Amen. So we speak like believers. Today I'm speaking on uh, a really easy, simple topic. And it's interesting because everyone, pastor spoke, you know, I got a lot of stuff he said last week. So quickly wrote it down and added it to my summer notes. So <laughs> you guys will probably hear a little bit of what he said again. And talking on something I've titled, keep seeing, keep saying. Amen? Keep seeing, keep seeing it, and keep saying it. Now I want you to turn to the person by your side and say, keep saying it. And then tell them, keep saying it. You need to say it louder. Keep saying it. And then keep saying it. So we are on a journey. Everyone on earth is on a journey. This is not our home. When I was a child, um, I think my paternal grandfather, I'm not sure now, someone had this, it wasn't, a, it was a cassette, I think. And the, the song was, this world is not my home, I am just passing through. We listened to that over and over and over and over and over and over again. It was a very interesting song in my mind but the word stuck with me really that this world is not our own we're really just passing through so everyone is on a journey and in our journey of faith vision is just as important as destination what you see is just as important as where you're going amen if you cannot see where you're going chances are you most likely aren't going there you aren't getting there amen are we on board so far Okay, it's really easy, and I pray everyone understands this so we can start practicalizing it and so it becomes real to us. Amen? So this means that um, we have physical eyes. Everyone has eyes. Some of us have four. We have glasses on. So it's what we could see in the physical. I could see Pastor Bill. I could see Pastor Joy. I could see everyone around here. I cannot see Pastor Mike. I'll have to write that down. He skipped service today. So I could see everyone, and you could see me too. Those are our physical eyes, right? But then we have the eyes of faith, our spiritual eyes, where we see things that we ordinarily will not see with our physical eyes. Amen? Amen, people. Amen? Let's keep the energy. So the problem is this. A lot of the times as believers... We limit ourselves to things we could see with our physical eyes. I think Pastor Angela said something a couple of weeks ago about seeing and seeing. It was a whole rhyme. <laughs> it was a punchline, and it was great. 
A lot of the time as believers, we limit ourselves to things we can't see with our physical eyes. And we forget about the things we cannot see with our physical eyes, forgetting one very interesting fact. God is a spirit. He operates in the spirit realm. The enemy is a spirit. We are spirits. What on earth are we doing with our physical eyes? Everything, everything about life is spiritual. If we are going to turn on our eyes of faith, then we'll see far beyond our natural eyes can go. Amen? Amen? Let's turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. It's a long uh, chapter, but I'm going to try and summarize a bit of it. Okay, so my glasses even don't help me see that one. You'll just give me some time to open this one up. Okay. So Abraham and Lot, do we all know the story of Abraham and Lot? Remember his nephew, and um, they had moved together to where God had showed Abraham to go. And then they got to the place, and their cattle and stuff started growing so big. And, you know, the land just couldn't take both of them anymore. So Abraham said to Lot in verse 8, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is, the whole, is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. Verse 10 says, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zohar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. I'm going to stop there now. He looked with his physical eyes and, oh wow, this is great land. I mean, imagine how much food I would have for my cattle. Imagine how wealthy I'll become going this way. And he chose it. He looked with his physical eyes. Now see what happened. Something interesting happened. I'm going to skip all the way to verse 14. Are you all still with me? If you are, say big amen. Verse 14 says, And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. God was saying, Abraham, forget the physical eyes. Open your spiritual eyes. There's a version, a translation of the Bible that says, Ask far as you can see i will give to you not just you and to your children as far as you can see somebody say as far as you can see and i'm going to ask you how far can you see and then what are you even seeing what can you see and how far can you see you will only become what you can see You will only get where you can see. The journey of faith is so interesting. We see with the eyes of faith. It's conceived in our hearts. And then we start to say. And as we start to say, it comes to pass. It's just, it's it's one step after the other. It's nothing complicated, trusting God and following God. We see, we say, it happens. Let's all say it together. We see, we say, again, we see. 
can you all tell I really enjoyed my time as a teacher? <laughs> Amen. So it is very easy to doubt what you hear. But it's almost impossible to doubt what you see. For example, I see Pastor Beale. There is nothing you can tell me that would tell me he is a woman. I can see. Okay, that's the wrong example in this age. I can see with my eyes and with my with or without my glasses that he is a man. True or true? True. He is a man. You could tell me, but I can see that he is a man. So it is very near impossible to doubt what you can see. And I'm not talking about your physical eyes now. I'm talking about the eyes of the spirit. Amen? For things to change in our lives and for things to change in our world, we must first of all see it. It will not happen without our eyes being open. Now, a lot of the time we say, and I know, you know, we've been taught to speak as Christians and say the right thing. So a lot of the time we say, you know, I've been saying, I remember there was a time in, um, in Nigeria, there was, I was younger then, still young, but there was a time this phase went on and people would only say positive things. Like you'd see them really ill and they'll ask you, what's the matter with you? And you're like, I'm well. And you're like, okay. <laughs> or they'll come and say, hey, um, please, you know, could you, give me some, could you give me a soft loan and everything? And you're like, why? Oh, I'm really rich right now. People were saying stuff, and they thought just saying it will make it happen. A lot of the time as believers, we say, we say like, you know, I'm healed. I'm the healed of the Lord. I am not ill anymore. This sickness is not mine. I am prosperous. I have abundance. I do not... Um, Write my grocery bill and check, write my grocery store list and check it twice. I live in abundance. We say all these things, and after some time, we start to wonder, why isn't it happening? We've been saying and saying and saying and saying and saying, why is it not happening? It's just because there's a disconnect. We're not seeing it. We're only saying it, and if we say it without seeing it, it's not going to happen. So for the people who made this chair, they saw it first of all in their, in their mind's eye before they made it. They didn't just go uh, chair, chair, chair and put things together. They thought about it. They saw the picture, probably drew it, sketched it out, and then they made it. That's how things progress. You need to see it with the eyes of the spirit and then you say it and then it happens. So everybody, let's say it together. First you see it. And then you say it, and then it happens. Let's turn to the book of Second Corinthians, verse, chapter 4, verse 18. The problem isn't what we're see- it's saying. The problem is what we're seeing. Our sight is on the issue. So you see, you're saying, my children are saved, but your eyes are focused on your child who's misbehaving. You're saying, I am healed, but your eyes are focused on the illness. You're saying, I'm prosperous, but your eyes are focused on your bank accounts. Do you see the problem is not really the same? It's the same, first of all. So 2 Corinthians verse 4, uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry, verse 18. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. This is talking about the, the physical now. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen 
are eternal. So the temporary things are the things you see with your physical eyes. The eternal things are the things you see with your spiritual eyes. Amen? So let's bring it home. The temporary things you see, the temporary things are that sickness. And the fact that you're retired and you don't have a steady source of income. Or the fact that your children are stoned 24 hours a day. Those are the temporary things. Now let me tell you the things that are eternal. The fact that you are living in abundance. The fact that your child is saved and is a preacher just to give the devil a bigger uppercut. And the fact that you are the healed of the Lord. Those are the things that are eternal. Amen? Amen. In Genesis chapter 15, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 2, I believe. So Abraham, he was getting old. He had no child. And he said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? He had already prepped his will, I believe, because he said, Eliezer is going to take all my stuff. See, God, see, I am going childless. And God answered. He replied him. In um, verse, let me move on. Okay. And then in verse 5, God said, let me read verse 4. God said, and behold, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, saying to him, This one shall not be your hair, but one who will come from your own body shall be your hair. Then he brought him outside and said, first thing God did was to change what he was looking at. He brought him outside and he said, Look now towards heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. I I love what God did. It was a complete vision change. He was seeing himself as childless, just as we are. We're, We're seeing ourselves just overcome by the problem. And God is saying, look outside the temporary things. Start looking at what is permanent. Look outside what you can see with your physical eyes. Start looking at what the eyes of faith should be looking at. So God changed the picture. And in verse 6, it's so interesting. The Bible says it was accounted to him. He believed. He saw. He believed. And it was counted as righteousness. Amen? He saw. He believed. It was counted as righteousness. And then in chapter 17, God made him start saying it. He changed his name from Abraham to Abraham and changed Sarah's name to Sarah. So every time, he said, because I want to be a father of many nations. So every time, I can imagine them in their home, Sarah, Abraham, every time they were saying it, they were calling themselves, in other words, father of many nations and mother of many nations. They said it every single time they called each other. But first, they had seen it. And I'm going to ask you all this question. Did it happen? How many of us are Abraham's children? And all of us are different colors. And God told him, as far as you can, just count those stars. Those are going to be your descendants. Amen? Amen. What you see, remember this, is just as important as what you believe, as what you say, and as what will happen. Now, 
Miss Gladys spoke so wonderfully last Wednesday. I was incredibly blessed. And she shared her testimony. And it reminded me of something that happened to me earlier when I got married. So I love children, if you can't tell yet. But I love children a whole lot. And I planned to have 12 of them. Um, that was the plan. And then I met Daniel and everything changed. Uh, so we have four. We're planning to adopt a couple more. But I don't think we're getting to 12 in this lifetime. I'll get more spiritual children. So anyways, we got married, and I really wanted to have a baby. And then I got pregnant. And um, at that point, it was, you know, when you're a preacher's kid, and I'd had my grandfather and great-grandfather and great-great-grandfathers as believers, you kind of feel you have a get-out-of-jail pass, you know? You are not supposed to have problems. I mean, come to think of it, your parents are believers and stuff. They've served the Lord, so God is supposed to kind of like make my life easy. So anyways, first child, I had a miscarriage. And when I had that miscarriage, I remember I was, so first of all, I was sick. I got pregnant and I had all the pregnancy symptoms. I would throw up and I was just so uncomfortable. And after all of that stress, I lost the baby. And I remember saying, but why? I'm a precious kid. <laughs> I'm a precious kid. You know, I see my dad and mom pray for people, and they get healed. I see my mom pray for someone, and she got healed, and they've had babies. I, I, I mean, did y'all pray enough for me? Like, what's happening here? It was a journey of faith for me. And then I lost that child. And then I made up my mind. I said, I'm going to get pregnant next. Because of what happened, just like you, I now got offended. I said, because of what happened, I will not have even one pregnancy symptom. Not one. I will be the strongest I have ever been in my life when I am pregnant. I said that. And then I got pregnant. Honestly, for all of my babies, there was, I, I was stronger than I was when I was not pregnant. I was at everything, did everything, ran, played, exercised. I started exercising when I was pregnant. Believe it or not, I can't do that now. All the things I did when I was pregnant, I can't even do it now. So all of that stuff happened. And then, because the enemy would always come. He would always, like Pastor said on Sunday, he would always want to test. It's not just going to be smooth sailing. So when I was 18, I think I've shared this story with you. When I was 18 weeks pregnant, I was sitting in my house. I did not go to work that day. I was sitting on my couch watching television, and poops, my water breaks. I was 18 weeks pregnant. And the first thing was, <gasps> oh, my God, again, not again. But something had changed in me. This time I could see my baby. So I said, Satan, I really don't care at this point what you do. All I know is that in October... I am carrying my child. I can see, you know, you cannot tell me this child be go. I can see this child already. There is nothing you want to do. And I called Daniel. Daniel was at work. And Daniel was like, oh my gosh, I'm coming home right now. And I called my mom. And she was like, okay, let's get to the hospital. And I called the doctor. He's like, we need to get you in. And he said, you know, because of the time, it's just 18 weeks. I just want to prepare you that we may have to do an evacuation or, I mean, if you don't go into labor, we may have to bring this baby out. The baby will not survive. But you are young. My doctor was a believer. 
You are young. God is going to give you more kids. Do not worry. And I said, I don't know what you're saying. I say, I am seeing myself with this baby. What are you telling me what waters broke? I can see this child. You can't tell. I can see it. I can't doubt what I'm seeing. So we went to the hospital. Now, if you've been in Lagos, Nigeria, you know traffic is one thing we deal with every day. Houston is a learning city (laughs) compared to Lagos, Nigeria when it comes to traffic. So we were going to the hospital, ended up staying in traffic for three whole hours. My doctor kept calling. He's like, oh, my gosh. And I was in the car, and I was speaking, and Daniel kept glancing as he was driving. And I kept saying, I said, you know, I told my husband, I said, baby, are you telling me the blood of Jesus isn't greater than any water? The blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. What is water? The water can drain to God knows what. I see my baby and that's what I'm getting. And we got to the hospital and they put me on the wheelchair and blah, blah, blah. And I, as I was going in, my mom was at the door. It's the always, in the journey of faith, always surround yourself with people who believe. My mom was at the door and she said, Noja, what do you want? I said, I'm, I'm carrying my baby. Not today, though. I'm carrying my baby in October. And she said, you will have what you say. I join my faith with yours, my daughter. This child is your own. I went into the hospital. They took me straight in for an ultrasound. I mean, for the people who have given birth, you know how much water you could you lose when you're about to have a baby. Well, I went into the ultrasound, and my water level was normal. And the doctor said, no, 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 no. We're going to keep you here. We're going to have to check again. You know, I mean, and they kept me there one day, too, and they were checking, checking. Everything was perfect. And in October, I carried my baby. I had seen him with my eyes. Nothing could convince me otherwise that I will not have that child. Even if the devil and the entire host of hell came at me, I had seen that child and I was having him. What are you saying? We can't be too calm in this our journey of faith. We can't be passive about it. We need to know, see it and go for it. Amen? It gets to a point where the word of God, you stop reading it, it becomes alive to you. You can see it with your eyes. You can see the prosperity. It's like a human being standing in front of you. You can't, that is the point we need to get to. That is the point where things begin to happen radically in our lives. Amen? In Exodus chapter 7 verse 1, Moses was about to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and God told him see I have made you a God to Pharaoh Moses just see see what I can see I see you as a God to Pharaoh and God is telling you today see I have made you a God to that sickness See, I have made you a God to lack. Just open your eyes and see. He's not saying, see, I am going to make you. He has already, already done it. It is it's finished. It's over with. Just the only thing you need to do is what? Say louder. Say louder. You need to see it. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. It talks about the God of this world who blinds our eyes so we don't see. And that's the, honestly, the, the devil is the most unintelligent, uninventive 
person, whatever spirit there is. He does the same old tricks every time. He can't think of anything new. So all he wants to do is cloud your judgment by covering your eyes. He did it to Eve. You all remember from our Femme Foundation um, Sunday school. He did it to Eve. He did it to Jesus. He's doing it to us today. He's, he's kind of just, don't, don't see it. Don't, don't look that way. Don't look that way. Look this way. Look at that problem. I know you go to church and everything, but are you serious? I mean, you're retired. How are you going to get all the money you need? Are you ser- I mean, let's be realistic here. Let us be realistic. You know how much your pension is, right? And you're like, right. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Someone in church will give you $1,000. How long would that last? I mean, see that you really do not have. That's all he wants to do with us. He wants to all, if I turned up the light here, first there will be panic and then there will be fear. <laughs> Everyone will scramble. What's going on? Because you can't see because you are blinded. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to turn up the light. So we begin to, any time you panic, you doubt, or you fear, it's because you're not saying right. Every single time fear, and I've had that happen to me every time. And I probably will still have it happen to me in this journey of faith. I'll still have to overcome doubts. And the only way I could do that is to see. The fears will definitely come. You need to shut that out by what you see. You see it, you say it, and you have it. Let's say it together. You see it, you say it, and you, and you what? Amen. So, the Israelites in the wilderness, they kept seeing hunger. They kept seeing failure. They kept seeing thirst. They kept seeing sickness. I mean, oh, they kept seeing we've been walking and walking and walking and we're just so weary, Moses, you horrible person. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? We could have just died in Egypt where there were at least graves. We're going to die in the wilderness. They kept seeing it. They kept saying it. Now, did they have it? God told them, just as you've said in my ear, I'm going to do. Y'all are not going to the promised land. Look at that. And in, in, in Numbers 21 verse 9, when the serpents, they were murmuring and released. I'm not going to read it because of time. God released fairy serpents to, to strike them and they were dying. Read it when y'all go home. That is one interesting, I don't want to call it a Bible story, a <laughs> Bible fact. And the serpents were biting them. And God told Moses, and the people cried, we're sorry. And God told Moses, build a serpent of brass and put it on a pole and put it up. Anyone who looks at that serpent will be saved. So they were there. Imagine, I try to picture myself sitting down on the floor and serpents are coming. You see this person dying by you. You see that people are dying all around you. And God is saying, the only thing you could do is look up. Look at that serpent and you will leave. So today I just want to encourage you. Look up. Look. There's a song. I'm not a great singer. OG got all the singing anointing in our family. But there's a song, a a hymn I love so much. It's turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim 
in the light of his glory and turn your eyes god is telling us look stop looking at the little serpents disturbing you look up well for the younger people like us in the house there's another song look up child <laughs> look just look up look at the things that the devil doesn't want you to see amen amen psalm 34 verse 5 i love this scripture psalm 34 verse 5 it says they looked to him and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed they looked they didn't it didn't say they listened or they looked to him and their faces were radiant that, that means his countenance spilled over on them because they could see what other people could not see they were filled with hope and that's hope the world can't take away from you amen amen so ask the person sitting by you what are you saying no y'all need to ask loud ask the person sitting by you what are you saying and then ask another person what are you saying it's okay to turn around to the person behind you. Ask them, what are you saying? So for you, let me tell you, I can see wealth for you. I can see prosperity for you. I can see healing for you. I can see abundance for you. How can I see these things? We're going to go there now. How to see right and say right. Psalm 119 verse 130. Psalm 119 is a very, 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 very rich scripture. Every, every chapter is rich. But this just has, it just has, I mean, things everywhere. Verse 130 says, uh, going there. Okay. It says, the entrance of your word gives light. And it gives understanding to the simple how can you see right and say right? It's simple, the word. And every single time I speak, anywhere I speak, the how to do it always ends with the word. <laughs> it's always the first answer. Because it's really the solution we all need. Do you know you can't even pray right without the word? Everything is in the word. It gives light and light illuminated. We can see well, properly when the lights are turned out. The new picture you need to look at is in the word. So there is the illness in your body. And you're saying, well, God isn't telling me to come out and look into the skies. But he's telling you, hey, I've written it down in my word. Look into my word. Find what you need. Fix your gaze on it. Say it and have it. It's all in the word. It is all in the word. Psalm 119 verse 18. If we move up just a little bit, you'll see this scripture. They used to say it a lot. Uh, my grandfather's church before every sermon. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. The things of wonder in God's word. You can only see it if your eyes are open. So you see two people, they have the same problem. One person looks into the word and gets their solution. The other person is looking around 
and their lives, just keep track of their lives, their lives go in very different paths. At this point, honestly, nobody cares what the economy is like. The economy, the, the economy of earth is not the economy of God. So it's okay if the world is going up in blazes, really. If everything is going, every, every, it can't ha- The Bible says those who do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. The Bible also says when others say there's a casting down, you will say there's a lifting up. Why? Why is there that difference? Because everything is in God's word. He wants you to see it, say it, and you'll have it. So everything can be going anyhow. The doctors can give you as many reports, like, like she said, the one doctor is telling you your left eye and the other doctor is telling you your right eye and it's one nostril and the other, I mean, you have a million doctors telling you a million things are wrong with your body. They could say it, but you can't see it. All you can see is that you're well. All you can see is that the Bible says, with long life will he satisfy you. You know, in Nigeria, there's something we say, we, we say <laughs> belly full. We say belly full. It's belly full. That means you will be so full, your life you would have. You know how you eat and you're stuffed? That's what that scripture means. Your life, you will be so stuffed and you're like, okay, gosh, I think I, I, I need to go, God. I mean, seriously, I really need to go now. It's not any sickness that kicks you out of here. You will be full. You will have lived life fully. That's what you see in the word. When the Bible says you will lend to nations, you will not borrow. Didn't God know we were going to retire? Did he not know that the pension wasn't paid? I mean, if anybody's pension is paying them a million dollars every month, sign me up for that job. Didn't he know pension won't pay all that great? He knew all these things, but he's saying you are the blessed. You will lend, you will not borrow. So you are not seeing your job. You are not seeing what you're earning. You are seeing what his word says. You are seeing prosperity even when there's lack all around. Amen? Number two. So before that, here's a homework for everyone. Go Write the picture you're seeing in the Word concerning whatever situation you're going through. Look for something in the Word. Write it and then start seeing it. Look for something. in It could be one verse. Start seeing it. Number two, be intentional about your vision and your speech. So because we live in a world where everything is controlled by our senses, we can see effortlessly, meaning I don't need to go out of my way to see Pastor Angela. I could see her effortlessly. And I love her so dearly, by the way. You don't need to stress to see things. Your, your senses just, I mean, we're in the natural. But with the eyes of faith, you need to be intentional about it. It just won't happen. You need to intentionally open your eyes and see. So, um, well... Pastor Goodluck and Pastor Angela have shared their testimony. Let me give another side to that testimony. <laughs> Let me give, I, I think everybody has their perspective of that testimony. So Christmas, everybody went for Christmas. We're excited. I call, when we're traveling, we traveled to California with our children for Christmas. And they were checking up. So where are you guys now? Where are you guys now? But then on the way back from California, the calls weren't coming. I'm like, 
these guys aren't checking to see if we've taken their grandchildren to, I don't know, Mexico. <laughs> They're not calling us often. And I tried to call, and they didn't pick. I'm like, what's going on? They're not picking. It's so unlike them not to pick. And then we got to Houston, and we text them, hey, we're back. No response. So I'm like, Daniel, let's drive over to the house. This is so unlike both of them not to, not, not to respond. And I text, we're coming over. And she said, I'm calling you in a bit. And then she called. And she's like, we're at the hospital. Honestly, when she said, we're at the hospital, me. I'm extremely dramatic. <laughs> what? What? What is going on? Oh, my God. I mean, I was every horror, <laughs> every horror scenario went through my mind. And she's like, this is what's going on. And my heart was racing. And then to the hospital the next day, I saw him. And I was there looking at him. <laughs> this man. <laughs> Your pastor is an amazing person. So he was there in the hospital bed. And I was, and Daniel had told me, baby, when you go in there, you know, you're not panicked or anything. Compose yourself. You're a woman of God. Blah. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I'm a woman of God. I'm strong. And I went in there. I'm like, oh, my God. <sighs> Deep breath. And he was there. He's like, oh, I'll be fine. I'm like, what? What did you say? <laughs> He's like, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. He was so stressless. I think we were all <laughs> more stressed than he was. And he was the one who was ill, <laughs> by the way. But looking at us, you would have thought it was us because we were very dramatic about it. I'm like, my heart was all over the place. And then I got home. And you know how the devil is. Every news you get after you leave the doctor is just bad news. So I got home. And then Mama would say, this is what had my heart. I'm like, Jesus. And I was praying. Don't get me wrong. I was praying. But I was seeing the wrong thing. So even though I was praying, I'm praying, God, you know, and then when you start seeing the wrong thing, you now start to cry and be sad. Oh, God, why? Why? He has saved you, God. He has, why are you doing this, God? What did we do wrong? (laughs) Just because we're focused on, I was seeing the wrong thing. Let me tell you something that started to change my vision. One day in January, I was driving home. I was driving my children from daycare, and... We're talking, my, my son, my second son, Zanny, he's five, he's going to be six on Friday. He was telling me, what he was asking me, so mommy, how do you learn to drive? Because <coughs> some people I know cannot drive yet. So he was saying, how come these people <laughs> cannot drive? I will not mention names on the altar. And I said, um, no, I'm not a great teacher. I can't teach people how to drive. I'm just not patient enough. And he was like, who's going to teach me? I'm like, you still have a long way. You're five. And he's like, I know. Grandpa's going to teach me. And I'm like, Grandpa? He's like, yeah, Grandpa's going to teach me how to drive. And I felt at that moment the Lord gave me something to hold on to. So I think I texted him. I'm like, Grandpa, you're going to teach Zanny how to drive. And he said it all through the evening. Grandpa's teaching me how to drive. Grandpa's teaching me how to drive. And that was the picture I put in front of me. I put that. You have so many people to teach how to drive. Oh, my gosh. I put that in front of me. He is going to teach. Zanny is five. He's going to learn to drive God knows when. That's a long time. So grandpa has to be alive to teach him how to drive. I, and then I went to the word and I saw this scripture. It came alive to me in January. He himself bore our infirmities. Himself. That, he did not give our infirmities to someone to carry for him. Himself. He bore our infirmities, the chastisement of our peace was by his stripes. He is healed. So those are the two things I put in front of me and I started to look at. 
by his stripes, Grandpa is healed. And because of those stripes, Grandpa is teaching Zani to drive in a very, in God knows how many years to come. And I started saying it. I was looking at it and I was saying it. So at that point, you know, I'm not going to say it was smooth sailing. That would be a lie. It wasn't smooth sailing. I mean, there were some days that were very, very rough. And there were some days I'm like, you know, you're saying it and you're like, I hope I'm not stupid saying this. <laughs> it's this. Because you're saying what is not a fact. What we were seeing, the sickness, it was really there. It wasn't, it was a fact. But as he likes to say, it wasn't the truth. The truth is what the word says. So we decided to turn our eyes away from the fact and look at the truth. So no matter what the doctor said, we can't see it. It's not him. Oh, sorry, who? Who has all the... I don't know who you're talking about, but the person I can see is well. The person I can see is strong. The person I can see is going to live so long, he's going to ask God at some time, God, I'm ready to go home. I don't know who you're talking about. We changed what we were saying. Amen? Psalm 16, verse 18, verse 8, I'm sorry. Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not. I have set, it's like this. I have set the Lord before me. Do you know what tunnel vision means? It means, it's like you're in a tunnel. You could see nothing but the end. So everything could be happening, happening around. But you can't even see it. So when it comes to the things of faith, you need tunnel vision. I have set the Lord before me. I can't be moved. My finances can't move me. My children acting up cannot move me. Why? I have said the Lord before me. We need to get to that point where we set the Lord before us. That's the only way we won't be moved. Amen? And number three, and this is where I'm going to end. Start saying what you see. Start saying it. One of my favorite books, Matthew 11 chapter 23 and uh, but Matthew 11 verse 23 rather it says for surely I say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done what will happen can we read it together he will He will what? Does God lie? If you do if you believe it you can see it and you say it you will have it. It's a formula which is probably no we, we can't we're Christians I wanted to say the church could probably bottle this formula up and sell it. <laughs> see it say it and have it. Without doubt, if you see it, you won't doubt it. If you see, there will be no, even when doubt comes, you're like, but I can see it. If you see it and you say it, the mountain, it doesn't matter how long it stays there. It must, because God does not lie. It will be moved and it will be cast into the sea. So for your children, 
it doesn't matter if they're on the street. It doesn't matter if the devil says he has them. See it, say it, and the doctor, how about the doctor saying you have, well, we've had three to six months. How about the doctor saying you have one month this time? You have one month to leave. You take that away, see what the word says, say it, and you will. You will have the long life. Every, it works every single time. And it is the same thing with emotional problems too. When people hurt you, if you focus on the hurt, if you focus on the pain, if you focus on my heart is broken, you will see it, you will say it, and you will continue to have heartbreaks. But then if you focus on forgiveness, what God's word says about people who offend us, you will see it, you will say you've forgiven them, and you'll have peace. It, it works in every single aspect of our lives. Amen? So we're going to rise up to our feet, and in just one minute, we're going to say some things that we can see. Everybody, for 30 seconds, just get a picture of what you, you can see. Now, as I stand here, I see many souls flooding this place. I see souls being won to the kingdom. I see this church, I mean, even if we have multiple services, it won't even hold us all. That's what I see. Why don't you rise to your feet? And in a minute, tell the Lord one thing. Say it with your mouth. You've seen it, now say it. Say it, I see prosperity. I see abundance. I see health. I see my children serving the Lord. I see myself being lifted. I see blessings. I see favor. I see long life. I see joy on every side. I see peace. I see prosperity. I see none of my kids will be lost to the devil. I see none of my kids will be lost to the world. I see only good things and I receive them. In Jesus' 